Hey, Brie. Hey. So what's cracking? Are we starting a podcast or what? We're starting a podcast. But it's more than a podcast. So Joe like, didn't have social media until he went on The Bachelorette. Really? Yeah, he didn't. And then he got it because everyone was like, you should get social media. You're like blowing yeah. up on Twitter right <laughs> now. <laughs> and I think he got like 50,000 followers after his like 40 seconds of fame. Oh, oh my God. God. He, was like, he was like, what do I do with this? That is like unheard of. So you really could get eliminated in night one and still well, walk he away was, with He a, was during the time, we were just talking about this on The Bachelor podcast, that there was a few seasons and Joe, I think, was like right in the middle of the pack with them where social like Instagram had just started blowing up yeah. and simultaneously like bachelor nation yeah. people were popping off. But yeah. I just don't think you'll ever see that again. Like I think it really hit right at a then. peak time. And yeah. then like yeah. now there's just so Plateaued. many seasons. There's so many different platforms in yeah. terms of like yeah. TikTok now. And I feel like influencers like organically built their following through the mm-hmm. pandemic. Cause so many people started doing it. Yeah. yeah. Having a lot of your, so now you're a full-time influencer Mm -hmm. and like your relationship is kind of a catalyst for you being an influencer. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how much pressure that puts on you guys, given the fact that like brand partnerships and like success and like as, as much or as little emphasis that you put on it is aligned to you two being successful. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's different for every couple and everyone handles it differently we had a lot of conversations about it early on like before and while the show was airing of like how do we want to handle this like how do we want to use our platforms how do we want to use our social medias in regards to like sharing our relationship um and we were very much on the same page which I think helps I think it would have been a lot more difficult if we both wanted to handle it differently obviously but um We agreed, like, my social media page is for my content and his social media page is for his content. And I didn't want at Serena underscore Pitt on Instagram to turn into a relationship page, a couple page, a page just to constantly share our lives. And there definitely felt like there was pressure in the beginning because I would literally just get bombarded with, like, DMs and comments of, like, share more of you and Joe. Like, we want to see you and Joe. What are you and Joe doing? And, like, it can be slightly frustrating. I mean, we expected it, so it wasn't anything major, but you're like, I am so much more than my relationship. Like, I have so much more to offer. I am an individual person. A lot of people started following me, obviously, when I was on The Bachelor, so they did see who I am as a single gal, but um, it fades. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of just set that boundary of like, yes, I get that's why these people want to see that, you know? I don't blame them for asking to see more of Joe and I because a lot of people fell in love with our relationship and our love story, which is so special. But I think in the beginning it was just a boundary of like, if I have a cute pic of us, great, I'll share it. But I'm not going to be like, Hey, we have to get a picture together tonight to post because my photos of us do the best and everyone wants the content of us and yada, yada, yada. And like, I feel like it's helped me as a content creator working with brands because my, I feel like I've established myself as an individual on my social media who is in a relationship with someone from the bachelor versus just like having me and my relationship be first. And then like my content and my branding and stuff be second. Speaking of black, which you're not, but, um, Obviously, there's a lot of parts of your identity. Mm -hmm. Um, Right now, we're talking about, like, your relationship identity. But 
What other like sectors of your life do you feel like you wish people knew about and parts of your identity people talked about more than like hounding on my relationship? Yeah. Hmm. This is a good question. I feel like it's so hard on Instagram because you on one hand are trying to create a brand for yourself. And like I like to share like fashion, lifestyle content. Um, whereas like, so you're like, okay, like my content focuses on that, but they're like, I feel like I almost feel weird if I like post like a recipe that I'm making because mm, yeah. I'm like, well, that like, I like to cook like Joe yeah. and I like to cook together in the kitchen, but like, yeah. does that fit within my brand? But also like, I want to share who I am with people. Like it's such a finicky balance. I find like there are people that do it really well, but I mean, I'm a multifaceted person, obviously. Mm -hmm. It's just so hard to see through social media. Yeah. But I know my mom, like when I come off the show, she's like, why didn't you talk more about the fact that like you're half Indian and like that part of you? And I was like, I did, mom. But like you only see one percent. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you just see like the parts of my story that like play into the bigger picture of the show. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like. I think it's hard. Like, I mean, I could sit here and be like, this is my life story. And these are all the parts of me that don't get shown. But like, like anyone else, I'm like multidimensional. And yeah. there's a lot of different parts. Yeah. yeah. Do you and so as being in like an interracial relationship mm -hmm. with Joe, how much do you guys talk about potentially how you're going to raise kids, given yeah. the fact they'll be a quarter Indian and mm -hmm. your background as an Indian Canadian? I don't know what the other half is. My yeah, that's my dad is, um, I guess, like predominantly British um, mm -hmm. but he was born and raised in Canada and my mom is Indian her parents were born in Kenya Kenya my grandfather always calls it Kenya so I never know but um, they were born there and then my mom was born in England where a lot of her family resides and then she moved to Canada mm -hmm. and then she moved to Toronto met my dad um, so half Indian half white and it's definitely a conversation we had and have continuously because there's just things like I want to make sure that we raise our kids in a diverse area. I want to make sure they go to a diverse school, um, things like that. And just an awareness of the fact that like we will have probably brown children, mm -hmm. even though they will probably only be like a quarter Indian, like they will be brown. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like Joe's always very open to having those conversations, which is like the biggest thing to me. Like he's understanding and like willing to listen and talk about it. But I think it'll be more like when we have kids and when we're talking about having kids, like it'll impact that aspect. Because I came from a multiracial or a biracial home, right? Like both my parents were raised differently in terms of religious background. They're obviously mm -hmm. different ethnic backgrounds. Um, so I'm very comfortable with that dynamic of him being a white man and me being a brown woman. But bringing kids into the world is a whole other thing. And we even talked about, like, would we want to just go to therapy? Like, not that we need to yeah. overcome anything, but do we want to just, like, set time aside to have, like, active conversations about, like, our goals with oh. children? Mature. Yes. You're, like, an I Like, she... Mature. Yeah. Cemented role as icon. Literally. <laughs> what the heck? Mature. This is totally off track, and I'll get us back on track after this. But I know that you are very much, like, with it and with social cues, societal like stereotypes, norms, all of these things. I'm curious, growing up biracial in Canada, did you feel like you ever had a, an experience of being like, was, were you a part of a majority or a minority whenever you were growing up in Canada as a biracial woman? 
It definitely depended on like what room I was walking into. So my, the area I grew up in and my high school um, was like probably 90% Chinese. Okay. Um, So that like I was the minority in that sense, but like unless you were Chinese, you were pretty much the minority or like Chinese, Korean, there was a big Korean um, like population. population. Thank you. and but then when I was dancing, um, it was I think I, I was like the only brown girl. Wait, I was gonna say, are you a dancer? Yes, because I literally can I tell. Forgot about that. Oh, How can, can you? you tell? Yes, because you are always going like this, playing with my foot. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, so oh, Sana's she's definitely a dancer. A dancer. Too. Are no, you? I, I when I was young, I was like, I did ballet, okay. but I was like, oh, she's definitely a dancer. Yes, I grew up a competitive dancer. Um, it was, I was actually, I, I trained at a really good studio for like 30 hours a week and I almost went into um, a program for fine arts for dance. Oh, a wow. lot of my friends that I grew up dancing with um, went to Sunny Purchase in oh, New York. Wow. Yeah, or Alvinelli. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But pretty much everyone was white. Um, it was in like just a different neighborhood. Canada's very diverse. Like I will say it's not like the U.S. where you guys have, states that are primarily one religion or um, political about like everyone kind of has similar political beliefs like it is more diverse but you still have the pockets of like different cities you know Mm -hmm. around Toronto Mm -hmm. um so where my studio was it was primarily Italian and I was like there was two other girls that were half Indian half white but were pretty much white passing like quite pale and it was something like I wasn't really aware of my race as like part of my identity until I got older and started like really realizing like what it meant that I was a brown woman because I was like, well, I'm halfway. I'm halfway and I'm half Indian. So I'm both. So it took me a long time to realize like no one looks at you and sees the half white part. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was like something that over time I started to realize. And now I like reflect back on like just like my experience in high school and my experience at the studio and like every, you know, it's just, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. There's a yeah. lot of places I could go with that, but yeah, that's kind of the gist. Well, I'm I also curious. I'm just curious, like in the sense of like, cause we were just talking about this with our um, friend who came on, who we recorded with before mm-hmm. you, but were there ever any moments in time where you felt like you were like conforming to the majority, either even Chinese or even like white mm-hmm. while you were growing up because you felt like you were the minority? I think mm, I'm just, I'm yeah. actually just curious how parallel your experience could have been in Canada as a woman of color yeah. versus uh, like our someone's, experience. yeah, our experience. And here. it's like, there's different words, assimilating code switching, Sorry, yeah. yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember ever really feeling that way other than just being a high schooler and mm-hmm. like everyone wanting to fit in kind of yep. thing. But because I was a part of so many different like my high school versus my dance studio versus my family versus um, like I did gymnastics as a kid, like in part of so many different groups that had different ethnicities and people of different backgrounds, even though maybe like my dance studio was predominantly white, like I did feel like I was exposed to a lot of different ethnic backgrounds in different ways. So it didn't make me feel like I needed to conform to one specific one. Yeah. Um, but I do feel like the one thing I do look back on now was um, – like my hair, I have very mm-hmm. naturally curly hair and always being told that I looked better with straight hair. Not always, that's not true, not always. But hearing that 
And now looking back and correlating it to like, I was told one time like, oh, I like you better with straight hair. And I was like, oh, thanks. I actually feel like I look a lot more Indian when my hair is straight because I do. Mm -hmm. Like I like I feel that way because most Indian girls have very straight brown hair. And someone was like, oh, really? I actually feel like you look a lot whiter. And, you know, it was just (laughs) a comment out of ignorance. And I totally was aware like this is just a comment out of ignorance. But you know, that battle of like having this curly hair and like embracing mm-hmm. my curls. Um, but and like an understanding of like, okay, like this is something that like everyone around me has straight hair and I'm conforming to that. Yeah. But also my studio was very accepting of like if everyone had to curl their hair, me leaving it natural and mm-hmm. letting me just show my natural curls too. So mm-hmm. there was things like that where like I was able to like embrace that and accept that part mm-hmm. of me as well. Yeah. It's does your dad have curly hair does your mom my mom has super curly hair but my dad like if you look at old photos of him as like in his 20s when his hair is long it's very thick and curly oh wow yeah I love that. and joe's hair is like crazy curly yeah. too like oh, oh really? my god i'll send you a photo of him he grew it out during covid and he literally has like just like same as me like curly curly hair like our kids are gonna have the curliest hair ever i love that yeah yeah i'm so excited yeah. for little for babies that. with curly hair okay bring us back onto the topic of joe mm-hmm. i did have this question because i was just recently listening to Nick Vial's podcast interview that he did with Nate. Um, and Nate, 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 I forget how to pronounce his last name. It's like Olakoya. 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 Yeah. Um, Nate Olakoya, obviously some context, him and Michelle broke up months ago and this is just not to go into him and Michelle at all. But I was curious if you felt this way because I listened to the podcast and kept Nate kept hammering home and emphasizing that there was always this expectation or this pressure to be perfect, Mm -hmm. to be the perfect couple or to appear like you were like happy together. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like that in your relationship with Joe, given like you guys are going on and off the show somewhat, you're doing TV appearances together. People do take photos of you Mm -hmm. when you're out in public, which I, I know it's like, yeah, you're not like an A-list celebrity, like you're not Brad Pitt, but She's still, yeah, no, but it's still so can feel so invasive. Like, do you ever feel like that? Like there's that pressure on y'all's relationship? I don't. And I think I can speak for Joe and say that he doesn't either. I will also say that we have been lucky enough to be in a very happy relationship the last year and a half. So we've never had to fake that. We've never Mm. had to go into an interview and pretend that everything's great because Uh. it really has been. And I think if things weren't good, I probably would not be wanting to go do interviews and pretend things were good. I wouldn't want to be like posting on social media, pretending things were good, but I've also never been in that situation. And I can totally understand how people with public relationships, you know, feel the pressure. But I think if there's pressure to make it seem like you're happy and your relationship's good, then you should maybe like, that's kind of the signal to evaluate your relationship on where it's at. Like I've never felt pressure to make it seem like my relationship's something that it's not, but I also am in like a happy relationship that like I'm excited to share with people. Right. So I Mm -hmm. think if I felt pressure to make it seem like we were a certain way, it's then provoking the question of like, well, why do I feel that? Like, Mm -hmm. what about my relationship? do I feel uncomfortable sharing? Like what about what, why am I feeling this pressure from people that I don't even know and don't like, shouldn't fully care about what their perception of me is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that makes sense. Wait, can we talk about um, Leonardo DiCaprio today and his age issue? Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. 
Who's he dating now? How old is she? They just broke up because she turned 25. He literally has that chart. And it's like as his age increases the people he's dating it's like the like taylor's you know the taylor swift line in her, i hate that i know this it's like one of the only but in all too well she makes a comment about like um i get older but your lovers stay the same age or something like oh that and it's literally leonardo dicaprio getting older and like all the yeah. girls he's dated being getting younger oh my god i was thinking about that on the way here because i knew we were going to be talking about joe my age difference 25 and he broke up with her but there's no one explicitly saying like it's because they're 25 but like people are making graphs now about the fact which is so interesting because i feel like women always get the bad rep when they date out of their age range right whether it's older or younger because you date older they're like oh you're a gold digger you date younger you're a cougar men like Either way, but it's what about? Cool. But with him, this is the first time I feel like people are like, "This is fucked up, man." I mean, he has every right to date yeah. whatever age he wants to date. It's his relationships. It's just like, it just looks so bad. It's like you're kind of like, like yeah. perpetuating the stigma that like women hit twenty five and like they're out of their prime. Yeah, yeah. There's it's so sad. many things. There was an interview that Scott. It wasn't even an interview. It was like on the Kardashians, and he was talking about his relationship with Amelia, and he was like subliminally. And I'm going to butcher this, so don't come after me. But it was like, I can't date someone outside of that age group because they'll, they'll I won't be able to mold them. <gasps> and he no, literally said like, that. Essentially early. like grooming? Yes. Not like, yes, yes. Like, because as you get older as a woman, and this is also me having dated people that were older when I was younger, it was like, you don't know. Like, you don't know the mm-hmm. difference between a healthy and unhealthy relationship. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. all based off of experience. And as much as you mm-hmm. can learn about what a healthy relationship looks like, uh-huh, you don't totally. necessarily know until hindsight is is there. So it's kind of like... So he's going for girls who like haven't had enough relationship experience to be like, ooh, this isn't healthy, is kind of what he was insinuating, it felt like. Yes, that's what Scott was insinuating. I don't know if that's what Leo... Maybe Leo just like... And I talked to this about the person I'm seeing and about his reluctance to date people his own age. Yes. And it was very much like I never felt like I was at the stage where I wanted to have kids and I didn't want to date women that were like, I'm ready to have children. Interesting. Yes. But that would be for me, like that's a stage of life issue versus like the actual age. But I understand that sometimes they go hand in hand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Women, unfortunately, have a little bit more of a clock than men do. Yeah, Yeah, biologically, yeah. But I guess the other, like, the other side of the story, the other argument that I've heard to men dating younger women um, is because at that point, at the age that they're at, they're so, men are so comfortable with who they are that apparently, this is what I heard, is that the women his age, he's like late 30s, early 40s, and dates women who are our age like 22 to Mm -hmm. 25 26 whatever and his argument to that was just like a woman that's like 35 to 40 is not going to change anything and they're not going to be willing to change because they are so molded in their ways Mm -hmm. whereas if I date a 22 23 Mm -hmm. year old like well they're also still learning I feel like they could go for men and women like it's not just young women it's young men too like potentially why like a 30 40 year old woman might be interested in dating a younger guy yeah is there's like more malleability right exactly yeah but you know what's so interesting to me too is like there's so many differences in relationships right like you can date someone that like has different like a different ethnic background than you, a different 
gender potentially than you, a different socioeconomic status than yes. you. Age is the only one that is like scandalous, I feel like. Yes. Because it's like about experience and it's I think now in on are you on TikTok? Yes. Okay. So like now people are like exposing men who have had these big mm-hmm. age gap relationships. Mm-hmm. And like there's well, interviews. I guess it's like a it's a power dynamic thing. Yes, I mean, I guess dynamic. there can be a power dynamic if like someone makes significantly, significantly more money yes, as well. But yes. I think it's like the older men to younger women, like power dynamic, potential for grooming, all of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, because at what point, I guess, whenever we talk about age and dating and relationships, like at what point is age is nothing but a number versus like, where do you draw the line? I don't at, believe like, that being, to be honest, that okay. age is nothing but a number. I think yeah. it's such an extreme statement. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I agree with that. I yeah. think it's yeah. like, Oh, like, I mean, everyone's different. Everyone has different like wants and needs in terms of age difference. And I mean, I'll admit like I did not, if you had asked me like write down like an age range that you would want to date within, like Joe would have fallen outside the age range yeah. for what, like I thought I was comfortable with. Um, so like that's definitely opened my eyes to the fact that like, yeah. you know, an age difference doesn't necessarily mean there's like this weird dynamic or there's whatever. But mm. I think age like your number does correlate in a sense to where you're at in life mm. and like your experiences, like generally, obviously yes, everyone's yes, different, yes. but if we're generalizing it, it does. Yeah, yeah. And we give we cut men too much slack or like by being like. They're not, they're less older when they're more mature. It's like, no, we've been on the planet the same <laughs> amount of years. Like if anything, you have more life experience. But women's brains do develop yeah. faster scientifically. Yes. I thought. But like, it's, that doesn't mean a 40 year old can date a third, a 25 year old and be like, wait, that's literally me. I was going to say girl. <laughs> girl. But I will say like, yeah. there's. There's exceptions, right? There's exceptions, Well, I like what you said, right? Like it also all, like if we're being the police here, which we're not at all, but I'm just saying like things to take into consideration in addition to an age gap or an age range is you're, are you fully independent? Are you financially Mm -hmm. independent? Do you live alone? Do you live with your parents? Do you have your own car? Like Mm -hmm. how do you operate and move through life? Mm -hmm. Because I think there, I think you could, maybe make an assumption about a 22 year old who had no savings, who was not financially dependent, who mm-hmm. still lived with her parents or maybe like five friends and was dating a 45 year old man mm-hmm. who was, had accumulated yeah. 10 and to like, 20 years of wealth. And like what are the boundaries there? Like yeah. what, exactly. Like, what are the finance, what has the relationship financially? Like exactly. Cause like with Joe and I, I was like, I'm going to be blunt with you while we're on the show. Like, I am going home to my parents' house where I live and I don't have a lot of money right now because I'm grind. I was grinding out an internship and that's going to be the reality of this situation. And, but like I, we are equals, like we are equals in this relationship and like, I don't want this to become a, yeah. Or like an uncomfortable dynamic. And like, I think like any, differences in a relationship like you have to talk through them and there has to be like a healthy boundary set there and like you know it was maybe like yeah like I lived at home but like I'm also like like that's the reality I'm 23 years old and like I don't have that much money because I'm 23 and this is my job and like I don't want that to become like an unhealthy dynamic with us and Mm -hmm. I don't want you to be like 
stunned when we leave here and we have very different like lifestyles and abilities right now. But like, I feel like approaching it with like open communication is how you should approach any kind of major difference in a relationship. Like age is no different in that way. Mm -hmm. That was actually my question to you is like, what are the conversations like between you and Joe that are obviously not like the stereotypical, like, Oh yeah, I want to have three kids Mm -hmm. or I want to like do this when we get married. Like Mm -hmm. what are the hard, some of the topics you don't have to go into the conversations obviously, but like the harder conversations that you guys have to have, like obviously that being one of them. Yeah. I think my concern was like, okay, you know, how does this affect our timeline of life? Mm -hmm. Like on a broader scale, like marriage, kids, like you're going to be, much older than I will be when we have kids. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, you know, growing old together, like making sure we're taking care of ourselves because, you know, when you're 90 and I'm 80, like that we, like, I think there's a period where we'll feel the age difference significantly less. Mm -hmm. Like it'll go into a phase where like we feel it less. And then I think as we get older, there's a potential for feeling it more. And like, I don't know if that's maybe unrealistic, but that's just in my mind how I envision it potentially happening and, like, how do we navigate that? But, again, like, he is so, like, easygoing, go with the flow. Like, I feel like it is really less of a hard conversation. Like, it's a conversation, but it's not a hard conversation. Like, Mm -hmm. it's the same as us having to talk about, like, we have differences in how we like to manage our finances. Like, how are we going to make that work? (laughs) Like, that for us is, like, a bigger, like, okay, like, how do we find a compromise and a balance here and things like that? Like differences and like, like, you know, well, I'm did concerned. you, ex- sorry. Oh. <laughs> what happened? I just, I, I was really you just scared the shit out of her. I don't know why I was scared. Wait, sorry. Continue. continue. Yeah. I know because I, I don't know why I, I was like really engaged. <laughs> what you were saying. Cause I think, yeah, mm-hmm. I was going to say, did you feel like whenever you guys entered into a relationship that you're, did you feel like your lifestyles were completely different because he is 35? Like was Joe going out to like fine dining restaurants and you were still eating at fast food restaurants? Obviously that's very drastic and dramatic, but just for the sake of um, painting a picture. No, I don't feel like our lifestyles were that different. I okay. feel like we talked about it enough that like I knew we definitely had common interests and similar lifestyles and he was like understanding of mine and I was understanding of his. Um, and yeah, I was like, just don't be shocked when I like tell you like, I don't know how to like book this or something. <laughs> like I'm still learning things like, still learning but um, yeah, I'm still learning how to like do my taxes and stuff. Yeah. Oh, what I was going to say is like, you can have those conversations as much as you want on the show, but until you get off the show yeah you don't know yeah. right so like and we were we were both realists so we both said like you know we are certain it's gonna work from what we know about each other but like the experiences might show different like leaving this and actually like seeing each other's lives and experiencing each other's lives might make us realize like we didn't fully know but we did we we were yeah. both mm-hmm. like there was not really any surprises yeah do you feel like you know what relationships are like you don't have to say which ones they are but do you know which relationships from am i the only one that calls a bit or do other people call it bit some people do you're not the only one i've heard people do it Um, most people like like we'll call it paradise okay do you feel like you know the couples on paradise that are like gonna fail i mean i think (laughs) you can predict Mm -hmm. but i think it's really hard like i think people will still surprise you of like who you think is going to work out, who you think is not going to work out. Um, 
But I mean, yeah, some people are better at predicting than others. I feel like I always just think everyone's in love and going to stay together. <laughs> um, like I'm but just you're like a realist. optimist. And I know, but like I also am realistic that like I don't know the ins and outs of other people's relationships. Yeah. And like leaving the show, I just remember being like, I hope everyone lasts and works out and stuff. Aww. But I think like the more realistic people are, the better chance they have of it working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So like talking to other couples and like watching other couples like the more practical and realistic you are about like this is our experience on the show we want it to work but we're understanding that like we're leaving the show and like people that are willing to like really invest in like what works for their relationship and not what they've seen and heard and what other people have done like that in my opinion is a sign that like yeah okay like those people are probably going to work out. But I mean, sometimes you see people and you think like, oh my God, this is going to be the best relationship ever and it doesn't work out and like vice versa. Sometimes you're like, "Ah, I don't know about that. And they get in the real world and they just completely thrive. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Joe's better at predicting than I am. Fuck, marry, kill the bachelor, bachelorette and bachelor in paradise. As shows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, well, I'll marry Paradise. Oh, obviously. obviously. I also just feel like it's the most entertaining one. Oh my yeah, God, yeah. it's so good. It um, so good. But I also think it's so entertaining because you're invested in the people that are coming on from the past. Like you need Bachelor and Bachelorette That's for true. Paradise to be yeah, as exciting true. as it is. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll marry Paradise. I will fuck Bachelorette and I'll kill Bachelor. Ooh. Actually, I don't know. It depends on the season because I do love. I do find the women are so much more exciting and interesting to watch than the men, which is why I love yeah. the Bachelor. I like the idea of one woman dating twenty guys than the opposite. Yeah. I don't know why. That's yes, just but how I, I love feel. watching the female contestants. Yes, I love that, and I love oh, to see what they're wearing yes, and like too. the fashion. And like, do you really? Yes. Yes. Don't lie. Yeah, I do. No, I, I want to see what they're wearing to all the dates. Like really? when you you wore a okay, listen, high necked ribbed listen, top. Listen, I was did. an anomaly. Okay, yeah, but that's not how every season usually goes. Because I tried to get inspiration from past seasons, and let me tell you, oh, I they fell don't flat on dress well. I'm not saying they're the best dressers. Oh, I'm just saying I want to see. You like to see how heinous it's going to be. I elevate women. Always. <laughs> I also just think Joe and I were talking about this because the men well, we, tell all just happened for yeah. uh, Gabby and Rachel season. Oh. And I think um, like m- at least from what I saw this season, like men on The Bachelorette are now like so fearful of criticism. And mm-hmm. sometimes I just feel like they go above and beyond to like yeah. hit every point that they feel like they should be hitting. Yeah. And you just don't get as much drama because they are like very aware of like the criticism they could potentially be getting like they're definitely under a microscope whereas the women i feel like like somewhat don't give a fuck and they are so entertaining because being principled or like the best is like so uh, non-objective it's very subjective because Mm -hmm. like to be a good woman there's like so many yeah so many ways to do it i also feel like too there's obviously so much more criticism towards men because it's it's the audience is mm-hmm. predominantly women. I also so. think the audience, like at least lately, it's like they love to hate the bachelor. Yeah. yeah. They love it. Like yeah. they love to be like, fuck this guy. He's playing yeah. all these women. Yeah. Whereas like they love to um, put the bachelor at on like such a pedestal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I feel like how it's like coming across, like being portrayed as well when you watch it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Do you ever, and to wrap, do you ever feel like you freaking hate talking about The Bachelor 
and like paradise. Yeah, I go through ways of just like, I never want to hear it again. But then I go through ways where I'm like, yeah, like I liked watching the show prior to going on it. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't follow really anyone from the show on Instagram. I didn't like read spoilers, but like I'd throw it on on Mondays with my girlfriends in college and we would chat and snack and watch. And like, it's just fun. It's fun. Like I've gotten to a point now that I've been off of it for a year and I can watch it and like not take it so seriously, like not get stressed out by it mm-hmm. and just kind of be like, it's just a fun drama, crazy reality show and yeah. try to enjoy it. But then there's things that happen that like are like, oh, this one hit close to home and now it's under my skin and <laughs> I don't want to like talk about this. But yeah. it's PTSD. also like, I think for me, like having met someone on it, like mm-hmm. it does give it like more of a soft spot in my heart than probably most people have. Yeah. Right. Because yes. I truly know, like I know, I think about this all the time, like we would never have met without the show. We have yeah. no mutual friends. We live in different cities the age difference like I just do not believe our cross our past would ever have crossed like Joe literally got scouted in Whole Foods like if he was not in the Whole Foods <laughs> that day and like met that scout he oh never would have God. ended up on the show like that's crazy had XYZ not also you were literally never taught you ne- you did not there was not guys that you were like oh yeah like I would meet him I would talk to him like I don't even know no. that Joe was ever on your radar coming really. off of the season no, like I wasn't going on Paradise. Like there, I didn't really have anyone in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but did I, you go to like Stagecoach? No, I honestly. So I went back to Canada after we finished The Bachelor, and we were in full lockdown, pretty much. Mm. Like so, I left Canada to go oh, on yeah. Paradise, and we were in lockdown that entire time. I so I like if I wanted to travel to the states, which like I did. Like we had a lot of friends in New York. I wanted to come out here. I would have had to have quarantine for two weeks when I got back to Canada. Oh my god! So it just in wasn't a hotel. Yeah, in like a hotel for like two days until you get a negative test. And then you go to your house, just like cute pandemic things. Oh, my God. Um, So it just was not worth it for me. Yeah. And it worked out in my favor because I was just like, I've heard the horror stories of people meeting beforehand and that bringing shit to the beach. Mm -hmm. And I was so lucky to go down there and be like, I've literally not seen anyone since I was on The Bachelor. Oh, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So it just worked. 100%. (gasps) I don't know if we wrapped up or said thank you, but Serena, thank you thank so you much so for coming much. on the show. Thanks for having me. You're so incredible. Thank like, you. It's been such an amazing time getting to know you and like obviously we'll hang out. Yes, thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you so, so much. much. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Yeah, But Who Cares? We care a lot about what you think and actually your reviews really help us out. So please like subscribe follow or comment and leave a review even if it's negative we want to improve and i'd like to give a big fat disclaimer we are not professionals we are not therapists we are not financial professionals so please seek out professional help um and this podcast was produced with our friends over at yeah but who cares including our trusty producer serena Serena. Um, it was also produced in partnership with Under the Influence. Shout out Under the Influence. Shout out Under the Influence. Where can people find us? If you want to find us, you can find us on our personal pages, Bree Springs and Sasana. Yes. But more importantly, you can find Yabba Who Cares on Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube. Did I miss anything? I, that's actually the most accurate one. Yeah, that's the most, those are the most important ones. Yes. So thank you. Goodbye. See you next week. Kisses. Kisses.